It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture in these very uncertain and unprecedented times amidst COVID-19. It was confirmed a Good Friday. The current restrictions remain in place until the 5th of May at the earliest. It continues to have an effect on day-to-day farm life, on work, general movement and social interaction. Later, we'll again emphasise the key points in relation to COVID-19 restrictions and how they relate to the agriculture sector. We hear today from recently re-elected Cork Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard, a farmer in South Cork, who was returned to the Upper House on the Agricultural Panel. We go back to school, so to speak, to hear about the ICOS Skillnet Free Online Learning Initiative and we update the latest Chagask webinars. We hear of a success story at a Kerry-based vet-made company. It's a busy time for tillage farmers and Liam Leahy, tillage and beef business manager at Dairy Gold, joins us. We also have our weekly advisory from Chagask, Agriculture and Food Development Authority. Our advisor this week is tillage advisor Mallow-based Michael McCarthy, who covers the Cork North and Southwest regions. John O'Connor is still on his cocooning sabbatical at this time, but good to hear his voice again as he keeps us up to date with some of the agri-news happenings over the past week, as well as his contribution as co-producer on the programme again this week. Farm Talk on C103. Well, it emerged in news this week that farmers who have lost their incomes are entitled to the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment. It's a benefit of €350 a week. The IFA's issued clarifications around those entitled to the payment. But President Tim Cullinan welcomed the move by the Department of Social Protection. Farmers that are not able to sell stock or sell grain or whatever, that they should be entitled to this payment as well. So we've got clarification today that those farmers, full-time farmers that have no income because they cannot sell either produce or stock are entitled to that payment and also part-time farmers that have lost their jobs are entitled to the payment as well. So I think this is a welcome development. The food service sector, hotels, restaurants, all of that is closed down. So particularly that's what that is doing is people are now buying cheaper cuts of meat. They're buying minced meat, they're buying rashers and sausages and chicken. That end of the business is doing fine. But the problem we have is, you know, if people are buying mince, well, then the expensive cuts of the beef carcasses is not being sold. And that's what's creating a lot of the problem in the beef industry at the moment. 
Irish Farmers Journal reports up to two-thirds of Ireland's 140,000 farmers work off-farm in some capacity. And according to IFA, full and part-time farmers can avail of the €350 a week payment as long as their income has been affected. The journal also reports just over 7,000 farmers have applied, but thousands more could be missing out. IFA is urging farmers who've lost income due to marked closures and poor beef prices to apply. All the criteria on drawing down their payment is available from ifa.ie or the Department of Social Protection. A story we referred to on Farm Talk last week got a fair amount of coverage in the papers and social media. It concerned a farmer in County Meath travelling to Cavan to pick up an animal. He was told by Gardaí his journey wasn't necessary and should return home. It generated a lot of questions about farmers going about their business and protecting their livelihoods. And Gartha Siakana responded to the coverage of the story with a statement to Agriland. And Gartha Siakana assured its members wish to do nothing that would jeopardise farmers tending to their animals. It also suggested farmers should consider notifying their local Gartha station if they intend making a long journey on essential farm business. Commenting on the recent case where a farmer on his way to collect an animal was directed to return home to Meath, a Gartha spokesperson said that at a checkpoint a farmer was stopped on his way to collect an animal from County Cavan. A decision was reached mutually that the journey could be postponed until a later date and the farmer returned home. On a broader scale, the spokesperson added, On Gartha Siakana is very keen to allow farmers go about their bona fide business. Tending to animals is an essential task and we want to do nothing that will jeopardise that. We're very conscious of the key role farmers are playing. The last thing we want to do is interfere with essential farm operations. They're advising farmers to bring any relevant documentation with them when travelling to view, buy or sell animals, which could include a movement cert or agreed details of the person they're meeting. We also suggest farmers might consider notifying their local garda station to alert them if they're planning long journeys on essential farm business, which would help to assure any garda that many are en route and that it is bona fide farm business. The Gather representative concluded. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, TD, has chaired a special meeting of the Foodwise High Level Implementation Committee, HLIC, to discuss the implications of the COVID-19 pandemic for the agri-food sector. Participants in the teleconference included senior leadership from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, the Department of Business, Enterprise and Innovation, Enterprise Ireland, Chagask, Bordish Guevara and Bordbeer. The committee discussed the whole of government response to COVID-19, the continuity of vital services to the sector and the immediate and potential long-term impacts for the sector. Minister Creed emphasised that the Irish agri-food sector was critical to maintaining food supply chains during the current unprecedented retail demand, both here and abroad. However, he said, this increased retail demand did not offset the collapse of food service markets at home, across the European Union and internationally. His department and its agencies were working together to support primary producers and food businesses through this crisis, as well as safeguarding the future of the sector. And that special meeting took place on Wednesday 15th of April 2020. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thank you, John. We'll have more agri-news from John later. Tillage is bustling with activity and has been for the past month or so. All cereal crops are planted, potatoes nearly wrapped up. Beet 50% planted and a good start made on maize. 
Most crops have been planted in near-perfect conditions and this will stand to them well for the rest of their journey. There's been a huge difference in weather in just a month. Perfect timing for farmers planting cereals. So how are the crops looking in the ground at the moment? Will it be a bumper year for tillage farmers? Joining me is Liam Leahy, tillage and beef business manager with Dairy Gold. Right up to the early days in March, we were after experiencing unbelievable wet weather all winter long, which has had a very, very significant effect both on the winter crop plantings and the state they came out of the winter. But then the weather changed and we're after getting Pachuca the probably near ideal conditions to set all our spring crops. It is pretty well pretty much finished at this stage and you could argue the crops never went in a better condition uh, that after shooting out of the ground we've got a couple of nice timely pieces of rain there in the last couple of weeks and you know you'd have to say things are looking very good really at, at this present stage now some of the winter crops particularly barley I would say some of that looks probably a little bit better than it actually is when you go in and when you go in and look at those crops they come out of the winter tinnish they have put a bit more leaf and a bit more um, biomass at this stage and they're probably looking a little bit better than they actually are in effect but look by and large you settle for it uh, I think overall taking all into account things have turned out a hell of a lot better than what they looked to come back a month ago. How do you think the farmers would, would settle for the ground that they have at the moment considering the winter that we had as you said spring wasn't much better but now we've, we've, we've had it all if you like in two weeks Yeah, It's, it's amazing how, how the ground actually recovered from the wetting that I got during the winter. I suppose it's fair to say, while, while we had a long, wet winter, we hadn't huge amounts of rain during the winter. What we had was that the ground never actually dried. It was consistently wet. Um, and it dried quite quickly in the spring. So it actually dried very quickly, and it got quite hard uh, pre-plowing or pre-tilling. But all in all, ground has, ground has worked, I would say, very satisfactorily. And there's, look, there's big machinery there now, high output, with great ability to till ground. You'd have to say all in all farmers, would I say, would be very happy with the seed beds that they worked in the finish, yeah. And the different crops that have been going in, Liam, then, you know, what's, what's up or what's down at this time of the year? Yeah, a very good question. I suppose there's only some figures I got there from a, a colleague recently there from a supplier of ours. Uh, winter barley is a crop that suffered dramatically this year, and... I mean, winter barley was probably back in the region of 40-45% nationally. And it just it's a crop that just don't do well unless it's sat in reasonably good conditions. And I think a lot of people shied off from it and probably wise, in hindsight, I think was a wise decision. Uh, winter wheat uh, was also back 40-45%. And after that, I was back up the East Coast in the real home of the wheat, which would be more Dublin, Loud, that, that type of area. Now there's wheat in all parts of the world, obviously, but that would be the big home of the spring cropping's in made up for that in abundance. I mean, spring barley is probably up 60%, 55%. Uh, spring wheat, beat a very small acreage, and we must appreciate it's probably nearly three times last year acreage. But all in all, <coughs> what you'll find is that the overall acreage is probably very similar to last year when all is said and done. Barley, winter barley down, spring barley up, winter wheat down, spring wheat up. But overall, barley acreage up, wheat acreage down. Yeah, and some of the information coming through to us here about um, a significant drop in fodder sugar beet. Should people be concerned, or is there a particular reason for that? Well, there is. I mean, sugar beet and has always been uh, uh, a, a touchy crop for lads to grow, and it's generally grown, we'll say, a lot of it is grown now on contract by 
bigger tillage operators for uh, feed uh, feeders, that would be beef or dairy feeders for the winter. And, you know, it, sometimes those contracts don't live out their promises without saying an awful lot. But uh, this year has been arguably maybe a touch early spring. Uh, some stock winter grass early has been a dreadful six, eight months on beef which obviously disencouraged fellas from finishing beef. And as a result, it's put a bit of pressure on some of the, the beet stocks that were left unsold. Now, I still think they'll all be sold at the end of the day. Uh, that probably has put a bit of a negative swing on the acreage of beet going into the ground. How much will it finish up down? I don't know, but it's, it's still only been planted as we speak. But some, in the, some of the indications will suggest maybe 10%, but that remains to be seen. Uh, the beef thing is the one that's really... He's always, he was always a big user of beef. That's in a very bad place at the moment, the whole beef industry, you know, so there's no confidence there. These lads are staying out of the market, I think, a lot of them. Now, spraying will be a big issue, of course, maybe even this weekend or into uh, next week, the coming weeks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, how can people ensure that they make a successful application there with the spraying? Yeah, spraying is something, I suppose, is probably the next most important job after establishment of a crop. I suppose the first thing that all lads have to do is just go away at this stage. A lot of them will have it done now at this stage because they have maybe a little bit of spraying done already. But make sure that their gear, number one, is, is compliant with law. There is a, a law there now that all spraying implements must be tested every three years. So that's mandatory, and we presume everyone has that done. I can safely say everyone has it done at any rate. Then they would, before they'll ever go into a field, if it's their first time out, check their machinery, uh, run their sprayer with water, do flow rates on each individual nozzle to make sure that they're all operating in a correct and satisfactory way. I suppose also which is important to to identify is where they fill the sprayer, that they have a place that can catch any chemicals that do uh, maybe fall to the ground that they're not going to become contaminants in some other place. Again, people are very responsible in that field when they do go to a bother having a secured area. Uh, they'll check their waters to make sure that the water, the pHs in the water are fine. That's a very, very important thing because unless water is correctly acidified, it do affect the the efficacy of some of the chemicals. But I suppose the final thing that they will do is the nozzles themselves to make sure that they are not worn. Not to mind the flow rate, but they're not worn because nowadays there's a very, very extensive range of nozzles out there and to get the proper nozzle with the proper drift on them, that they can spray in less than ideal conditions once they have low drift nozzles, which controls the, the, the drift of the spray and keeps it away. Not alone does it make the spray more accurate to its target plant, but it also protects our ecosystem, our environment, our own hedgerows and waterways, adjoining fields. And that's something that's mandatory now under spray regulations. And again, farmers are becoming very responsible in that regard, and they do check all these things. Most farmers, I would say, have a set of low-drift nozzles on their sprayer now in here and are ready to adapt them when they have to. Liam Leahy, Tillage and Beef Business Manager with Dairy Gold. Thank you for joining us on the programme. Next, we hear about a success story in the vet med sector. Warburton Technologies is based in Cahirsavine, County Kerry, manufacturing and selling injectable trace minerals globally. 
I spoke to Warburton consultant vet Patrick O'Neill about the product. We're kind of a bit of an anomaly in that we're an Irish company that a lot of people in Ireland haven't heard of before. So Warburton Technology, we're the pioneers of combination trace mineral injections. So the idea of supplementing animals at strategic times in the production cycle uh, with combination trace minerals, with multiple different minerals at once. So farmers in Ireland would be familiar with the idea of if the soil is deficient in a certain mineral, well then the animals eating the forage off that soil will probably become deficient in, say, selenium or copper or whatever deficiency is. So they would traditionally inject a supplement of that one element to recover that deficiency, whereas with our technology, you're, you're supplying the mineral that is potentially deficient as well as other minerals which will help the animal to perform in terms of improved fertility and improved immunity. So not just covering that one mineral that's deficient, but covering that and improving the overall animal performance. This time of year, the key for dairy farmers and farmers in, in general is trying to get cows back in calf, really. And what can happen coming up to calving is you get a big fall in actual intake levels. So even cattle that are on really well-managed diets, they're generally they're not as eating as much coming up to calving. It falls about 30 to 35% of intake. Uh, at this time as well, you're getting about a 50% increase in growth of the unborn calf. So coming up to calving, you've got a big, big increase in demand for minerals while that intake is falling. So if you're supplementing the cows pre-calving, you avoid kind of that really, really big trace mineral fall that can happen on the cows. And if you've missed that chance and your cows have calved down, an injection of a supplement in the pre-breeding period can really help to get cows back in calf. But the critical thing in Ireland is not just getting cows back in calf on a grass-based system. It's all about that compact calving. Uh, we've done a lot of studies with this technology, and we've found that cattle who are supplemented, even if they're on very well-managed diets, supplementing pre-breeding, we're helping cows go back in calf, but also within that critical calving interval. And because you are injecting, is that a big advantage? Yeah, you see, the critical thing with all of your oral minerals is they're relatively poorly absorbed. And as farmers will know in different parts of, uh, of Ireland, in, in Cork, for example, you're, you're very high in what's called molybdenum, a mineral. So molybdenum will work as an antagonist for copper. It will bind the copper in the rumen and prevent it from being absorbed in the cow. So if you use an injection, the minerals you're injecting, you're, the cow is able to absorb them all. But also, because they're injected, they're going into the bloodstream and then the storage organs like the liver. So they're bypassing these other antagonist minerals. So what you're giving with the animal, you're, you're, they're actually effectively getting. Whereas with oral diets, it takes a long time for the mineral levels to build up and they're subject to that harsh environment of the rumen. Now, farmers will want to know a little bit more about this. So how can they get information on it, Patrick? Well, it's a prescription-only medicine, all of our, our products, so uh, you, they'd have to contact their vet for additional information. And if their vet hasn't heard of the product, which I, I doubt they, they haven't, we've, we've been to nearly every clinic in Ireland at this stage, but uh, they can find out more information from their local Verbach territory manager. Now, tell us a little bit about Warburton Tech, how it all began and how it's going. Well, Warburton Technology is an Irish pharmaceutical company. We're based in Carsevine, County Kerry. We've been manufacturing different formulations of injectable trace minerals for cattle, and we've been supplying uh, the US, uh, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand for years 
Like this current formulation we've launched in Ireland, we've actually sold about 80 million doses in the US since 2010. So it's really successful in other big agricultural uh, markets. And we've just come through EU licensing last year. So we're really, really happy to be launching in Britain, Ireland and France, uh, especially here in Ireland. Like it's great to be bringing some good news to the Irish farmers in such challenging times. Warburton Technologies Consultant Vet Patrick O'Neill. Continuing this week's Farm Talk with a look at the innovative free online learning which has been launched by ICOS Skillnet. It's a series of online and blended initiatives to support the cooperative sector, its members and families during COVID-19 and into the future. Over 30 online programmes have been launched as part of the programme. Billy Goodburn, Head of Learning and Development, ICOS Skillnet, has been telling me more. It's been stuff that's been ongoing uh, throughout the years with us is making our programs available for our cooperative men- members. But then with, with the onset of COVID-19 and the pandemic and, and kind of people being restricted to their movements, we felt that it was really important to push this initiative to support people, both from a mental health perspective, but also from a learning and a skills development perspective. What changes have you had to make then, Billy, in relation to the pandemic that we're going through at the minute? I, I suppose the, the, the agricultural sector traditionally has always been, a, 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 or historically has always been a traditional sector. And or very a lot of our learning initiatives have predominantly been available through classroom-based learning. So from a, from a perspective of ICOS and our members, and their farmer members, we've had to adapt the way we, we deliver our training in order to make it more accessible for people during these times of restrictions. So we've introduced a number of new online programs. We've introduced things like virtual classrooms and so forth. And what's involved in the rollout then of the Skillnets program? So effectively, if any of, the, 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 of our cooperative members or any of their farmer members or families are interested in attending any of our online programs, they can, they can make contact with us through our website, icoskillnet.ie, and they fill in a form and we then allocate a program to them. They go online and they do the program in their own home or on their laptop or on their mobile phones, and they do it in their own time. They'll have a period of 12 months in which to complete the training programs. And the learning outcome involved then for those that take up the module? There's a number of different learning outcomes in terms of the different modules because, uh, you know, at the moment we have um, 31 different programs available free of charge to our members. And those programs range from, you know, understanding health and safety in the Irish workplace to conflict management, team leading, um, you know, as well as some of the technical programs through your lean yellow belt, your green belts, um, your food safety and HACCP, your business management, uh, bullying and harassment, good manufacturing practices, a lot of kind of those programs supporting both the dairy sector, the farming sector, as well as the, 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 the beef sector. And the backup and supports for this, Billy, then if they get into difficulty online, is there somebody available to help them through? Absolutely, there is. So generally what happens is once we upload them to our online platform, they will receive an email from us outlining which programs they've been allocated with the unique username and password, which is, is unique to the individual. Uh, they log into the system, and within that introductory email uh, is an outline of where the supports come from in conjunction with our learning partners. 
So, you know, those, those systems and procedures are in place. And people would want to know, I suppose, is there a, a cost involved in all of this? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, we through Skillnet Ireland, ICO Skillnet is funded through Skillnet Ireland and its member companies, through the National Training Fund and through the Department of Education and Skills. So we've we've been successful in achieving funding uh, through Skillnet Ireland, which is called the COVID-19 Response Fund. Uh, that funding is allowing us to make our training available between the period of April and June 2020, free of charge to our members. And I see there's a new initiative uh, that you're taking on board uh, in cooperation with UCC's Institute of Cooperative Studies. Now, this will be of interest to listeners in our area here with University College Cork involved. Can you explain what's involved there? Yes, Barry. So we, we've been in negotiations with, you know, UCC we have been a, has been a good supporter of ICOS and ICOS has been a good supporter of UCC and the Cooperative Centre over the years. Um, through the Food Industry Training Unit. unit. Um, what we have now is we've agreed a new two-year online um, master's program in cooperative studies and, 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 and social enterprise. So this is a program, it's a new initiative for the cooperative sector. Um, historically, we've always run diplomas through, the, through, through classroom-based learning in the college itself. Uh, this time around, going through the Institute of Food Studies, of Cooperative Studies, we now have this master's program coming up. So this program is being advertised from May, and with the hope that that will kick off in September for the next academic year. And finally then, believe for people to find out more where they can learn all about the ICOS Skillnet, where do they go? Yeah, the, the best place to go is to look at our website, icosskillnet.ie. That's www.icosskillnet.ie. And all our contact details are there. My own personal contact details are there. Uh, if they want to email me or contact me by telephone just to get in touch and, and see what supports are available to support them. Billy Goodburn, Head of Learning and Development, ICOS Skillnet. And still on the subject of learning, a series of online Tagusk dairy breeding webinars aimed at dairy farmers takes place from Monday to Thursday next. Tagusk.ie forward slash dairy breeding series has more details. And the final signpost series webinar entitled Feeding Management for Productive Ruminants takes place on Friday next, April 24th, 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. The signpost series has been pointing the way to a low emissions agriculture. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Joining me now is the recently re-elected Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard. Tim was successfully returned to the Upper House on the Agriculture Panel. Yeah, I was delighted to get elected. Um, I increased my vote dramatically in the last election, 2016, and I actually ended up topping the Fine Gael poll, so I was the first of the Fine Gael um, Senators to get elected on that day. So for me and for my supporters and my family, it was a great day, really. It was a bit unusual because of these new circumstances. I wasn't even at the count itself. I actually watched it on an iPad at home, which was very unreal, actually. But um, look, delighted to get there. Obviously, the shadow isn't sitting yet. We're going to sit two weeks after the doll is formed. So we're waiting for that to happen. So look, we probably mightn't sit until mid-May, the way things are going at the moment. And can you explain for the listeners, Tim, just the process there of getting elected through a panel like the Agriculture Panel? How does it work? There's 11 members um, of the Shannon elected through the Agricultural Panel. There's 60 members in the Shannon itself. So what we actually had to do was, my actual voting electorate was TD senators and councillors. So after the general election disappointment, I spent six weeks on the road from Donegal to Cork, calling to every TV, senator and councillor in the country. So uh, we met them, had our case, and uh, look, we were delighted that the results came its way. It was, it's a very unusual campaign, totally different to a general election. It's a real personal campaign. You're literally away from home seven days a week. I remember one of the, one of the nights we drove overnight to Donegal, to the very end of Donegal, and we walked away home over the, over the next six days. So um, you do an awful lot of miles, you meet an awful lot of people, it's quite enjoyable in many ways, but uh, obviously there's an awful lot of pressure involved in it as well. And when they describe it as the agriculture panel, how much is it agriculture-related, if you know what I mean? In fairness, I think an awful lot of it is, like many of the Arachnus members and uh, councillors and TDs, they have the view that if you're going to be elected on the agricultural panel in the Shannon, you must have experience, you must have knowledge of the actual industry itself, practical knowledge as well. And I think in particular, like our friends from the East Coast would always vote that way when it comes to the actual panel itself. So I do think having a, a real knowledge of the agricultural base is a great help when you actually run on the agricultural panel. So like we're the second house in the parliament itself, all legislation goes through both houses of the Oireachtas. We also sit on all the committees. I would have remembered the communications committee and the agricultural committee last time round. So you're really involved at every level when it comes to the actual you know, the process of passing legislation, amending budgets, and, you know, making your point heard at national level. And you were saying, Tim, that you reckon it'll be mid-May, perhaps, before the, the, the process itself gets underway in, in the Shannon. We have some very important business at the minute, and at least of all the COVID-19, with all sectors affected, but having a profound impact as well on agriculture. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's been missed, in, unfortunately, in so many ways, the real issue of agriculture and the COVID-19 issue price of milk is um, rocky to say the very least at the moment. I think we're waiting for dairy gold to announce where they're going to go to price of milk in the next few days. That's going to be a big issue of contention. Obviously the price of beef is really kind of on the floor at the moment and like speaking to beef farmers last February they were very much under pressure. The actual grass has gone down now so there's a huge issue here about 
how viable farming is going to be with this crisis at the moment. We've lost major people from the actual sector for McDonald's and all these other industries not to be actually operating at the moment has a huge issue on price. So um, there's an awful lot of issues that need to be sorted out. Cash flow is a huge issue. But one of the big issues here is that the covert 19 payment is available for beef farmers or other farmers who don't have the capability to actually sell their stock at the moment. So I would be advising anyone who is in that circle or who, is, who has that, that issue that they should apply for a COVID-19 special payment. Jerry, you have a, a very strong farming background yourself, Tim. So how do you see this COVID-19 situation impacting in your experience at the moment? I think there's going to be um, a real change here. I think the big issue for us is going to be where the price is going to go in the next 18 months. Price of oil is falling, which is going to have a huge impact on the price of the buying power for the price of milk itself. The beef industry is going to go through real flux in the next few months, and I'm really concerned how we're going to support it. But for us, what we need is we need European funding to help us in the next six or eight months so we can build confidence in the sector again. And I think it's about working with our European friends, the European partners, making sure we can actually do that. I know Minister Creed had really important conversations in the last two or three days about that issue. But we need to have the European ministers back agriculture to make sure we can actually deliver this important aid package that is required for the agriculture industry. Yeah, we are hearing today, of course, of EU supports, which will be forthcoming. But how easy or otherwise will these be, Tim, to access for those struggling in particular? I think that's a huge issue. Like what we don't want to have is money allotted and then not being able to draw down. We've had that scenario previously. I think the access to funding and capital is going to be a huge issue for us. I think whether it's going to be capital short-term, capital to keep the whole thing going at the moment, but also to make sure that we have intervention prices if we need them for the actual milk product itself. So there's an awful lot of things going to happen in the next few months in this space. And I think that's why government formation is so important, because we need to have both the Dáil and the Shannon sitting. We need to have both and running, because these decisions will take political input, but they'll also take input from the actual general public. And we need to carry the people with us, because these are very extraordinary times. And we need to make sure that we have democracy running so we can have that actual say when it comes to the floor of the chamber itself. And day-to-day life is being impacted, of course, very severely by the COVID-19. What are the main issues that you find are impacting farmers and the wider agri-sector, just as we deal with the restrictions and the severe measures many would argue in place? Obviously, there's financial pressure on farming. Mental health and loneliness and, you know, being there by yourself on that farm at the moment is a massive issue for farmers at the moment. So we have to use technology to help us on that actual footing itself. So... Technology is going to be very important. Obviously, the community spirit there is really big for us. I've seen, we've seen it across the GA and many, many other platforms. The community spirit element in the last few weeks has been brilliant. I think the, the rural community in particular have really bonded together, protected their neighbours, made sure that we have everything required so they can get through this very, very tough period. Because our younger, our older demographic is under pressure at the moment. There are many of them are cocooned at the moment and we just m- must make sure that they have what they need to survive and also that contact and that contact is a phone call. It's, you know, this kind of stuff. You make the phone call, you have the conversation and that's something the rural community have done so well in the last few months. Fine Gael, Senator Tim Lombard, thank you. In the interview, Senator Lombard referenced the community call to marshal volunteers including all of the farming organisations across the country 
Community Call is bringing together state and voluntary resources to combat the worst effects of COVID-19. It coordinates community support, gets assistance to where it's needed and harnesses the volunteering energy of the country. Each city and county council has a dedicated helpline and farming organisations are also part of the official community support network in each local area authority. From May 2020, Farm Talk sponsor Dairy Gold plans to give its 2,750 milk suppliers their own individual carbon emission number to facilitate farmers gauge their progress in bringing emissions in line with targets. These targets set a carbon emission reduction of up to 40% by 2030 and a carbon neutral goal at farm level by 2050. Dairy Gold is to reward suppliers for reducing carbon emissions by paying qualifying farmers if they are milk recording and they are complying with herd health programmes in conjunction with building on soil health, nutrient planning and existing watercourse preservation measures. A relatively high proportion of dairy farmers are still losing money by not milk recording despite the very best advice of their co-op and Chagask advisors. Operating a dairy enterprise without milk recording has been likened to operating partially in the dark, without accurate figures regarding the precise output of each individual herd member. Incentives are on offer for farmers considering starting milk recording. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Next on the Farm Talk programme, a weekly advisory from Chagask, Agriculture and Food Development Authority, and we're joined this week by Michael McCarthy, Cork North and South West Tillage Advisor. You know, tillage farmers have really enjoyed a break there in the past three weeks. Uh, we came into March, things were looking fairly forlorn at that stage. It was still raining and the weather was atrocious and we kind of thought that, you know, was there anything going to be done and it was looking like it was going to be a very late year, but it's amazing just a bit of good weather at the right time, how things can, can turn around. Um, I, I, I suppose maybe to start with, you know, spring barley being the biggest crop, uh, tillage crop grown in, in, in this country, and especially in, in, in Cork, spring barley is a huge crop. Uh, you know, almost 95% of spring barley is planted now at this stage, and indeed an awful lot of it is, is, is up and it's established, and it's looking very, very nice because it had a great start great seed bed, everything. We are seeing an increase in area of the spring barley and it's probably due to the reduction in winter barley that we saw in the autumn of last year. As we know, like last year was was our last autumn was a very, very poor weather. Uh, it was very difficult to get crops in the ground and a lot of winter crops didn't get planted. So, you know, we, we are seeing that increase in spring barley area this year. So the other reason we are seeing an increase in spring barley area is some of the traditional forage crops that would have been grown, the likes of uh, fodder beet and maize, have been reduced because because of low demand and, and those areas are, are being converted now into uh, into spring barley. But in general, everything seems to be Everything seems to be on track. Um, conditions are excellent, and, and that's the great thing about the, the spring planting this year. So whether it was, you know, spring wheat or spring barley or even maize or, or sugar beet or, or whatever, you know, we, we have excellent seedbed conditions out there and um, excellent drying. So crops should get a great start, we would hope anyway, you know. And we have heat now and everything to, to drive growth, so... You know, th- things are looking well out there at the moment, Barry. Yeah, and in terms of the management of that spring crop then, Michael, what are the basic jobs this was that should be done at this time? Well, I suppose if, if, if we stick to spring barley, because it's being the biggest crop out there, I suppose, for an awful lot of spring barley crops, they're, they're up and they're emerged. 
and they're at that nice one leaf stage and the more advanced ones are moving on to the two leaf stage. So I suppose at this stage, the, the first job that we need to look at is the, the main application of nitrogen. A lot of the spring barley grown in this county is grown for malting barley and we know from past experience that we need to get nitrogen early on malting barley crops to to make sure we don't have high proteins at harvest. The question that always asked every year is, is how much nitrogen do we put on? So uh, as a guide, we would always say you're aiming for that kind of 120 to 130 units an acre, you know, to get both a decent crop and to have a, a low protein that you'll pass the modern samples. Um, I suppose one thing to bear in mind is that the varieties of Spring, spring malting barley that we're growing now is less sensitive to nitrogen applications than the older varieties were. If people remember, uh, in the past, the smallest amount of nitrogen over and above caused proteins in the grain samples to, to shoot up and then thus malting crops failed and stuff. But what we do not know is that the, the, the newer varieties are less sensitive. And, you know, protein in itself is, is very much correlated with yield. Okay, so that means that protein is diluted by the yield of the crop. So the higher the yield that can be produced, generally the lower the protein we can see. Now, one point to remember there is that uh, protein is not the only spec that the maltsters look at when it comes to malting barley. They're also looking at the overall quality of the sample. So that would mean, you know, disease levels, hygiene, or cleanliness, and also KPH. So what I would warn people is that even though we have, you know, varieties that can take a bit more nitrogen and we can drive them for a bit more yield, be careful that we don't end up in a situation where we lodge crops because where crops get lodged, you have a higher risk of lower KPHs and diseases like fusarium setting in, which reduce the overall uh, standard of the sample and that could lead to malting barley failures as well. In general, look, the technology is good out there now and people are very, very diligent when it comes to spreading fertilisers um, because fertiliser is expensive and we want to get the most that we can out of it, you know, and we, we don't waste it, you know. When it comes to normal feed crops then, the different for animal feed, then look, uh, again, we, we, we wouldn't be deviating much from that more or less put out the nitrogen once the tram lines are visible 120 to 30 units per acre depending on the field and depending on you know the regulations the the amount of nitrogen you can apply to a crop is really based on the 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 yield history of the farm so if if you're traditionally growing high yielding spring barley then you know you're allowed to put on extra nitrogen onto that to account for the higher yields Michael McCarthy, Tagish Cork North and South West Tillage Advisor. The Irish Shows Association has decided that due to the cancellation of shows across the country, there will be no 2020 guidebook. A meeting of the ISA National Executive Board held by video conference on April 14th heard that it had been planned to postpone production of the guidebook until 2021 to see how the COVID-19 situation would evolve. All member shows have been recommended not to run shows or any public events until such time as the safety of their members and the general public can be ensured and restrictions on social distancing are lifted. The Irish Shows Association say they realise the loss of shows will be tough for many. 
but it's the prudent step to take at this time. The association thanked all of the people on the front line for their efforts during the crisis and the executive remains in contact with all of the shows regarding the updated current state of play. ISA acknowledges the tremendous contribution of volunteers, vulnerable groups and sponsors now hit by the COVID-19 crisis. Members are asked to support local sponsors where possible. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks, John. IFA maintaining its COVID-19 advice in light of the measures announced by the government. Agriculture deemed an essential service and so exempt from the current directive to stay at home. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine has a telephone helpline to assist farmers with their queries in relation to current COVID-19 restrictions. The number is 076 1064468. In addition, department also published a set of frequently asked questions. Tiagask also has a helpline for farmers 076 3535 and the website tiagask.ie, also a prime source of information on the full range of issues facing farm businesses. Exercise still very important, so be sure to get out and about, of course, being mindful of the restrictions which have been issued by the government. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony and thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.